straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, it's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show, starring Chris and C.L. Brown. Dropping out of the Sky Judge box is referee Rich Hallstrom to join the brothers, well, officiate them, in another shootout. Now, what does that word mean to you? Shootout. The soccer version, the three-point version, the Wild Wild West version, Conrad, not Smith, kids. Or my favorite, the Wesley Snipes Passenger 57 version. Yeah, hunty, Wesley don't miss, you heard? I digress. Let's progress to sibling rivalry sports. It's time for viewer email with Mr. Denial. Email number one. Dear Mr. Denial, why is this time a lull in the sports world? Now is not a lull, old email viewer. There are many exciting reruns that you can watch. Plus, it's hockey playoff time, and we know how exciting that is. Next email. Email number two. Dear Mr. Denial, is the Nile just a river in Egypt? No, the Nile is not just a river in Egypt. Next email. Email number three. Mr. Denial, is the AAF done for good? No, the AAF is not done for good. They could come back. Their app still shows the game scheduled. It could happen. Next email. Email number four. Yo, Mr. D, with all these players declaring for the NBA draft, will the ACC be the same next year? What players? What are you talking about? What players are going? No, nobody's going. They're all coming back. Yes, they're all coming back. This has been viewer email with Mr. Denial. One thing that is undeniable, though, is that you are tuned into the best brotherly sports show on the planet. Sibling Rivalry Sports! CL! You don't throw your voice out <laughs> these days. <laughs> undeniable. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Glad to be back in studio. Back, glad to be back in town after hitting Minneapolis, the big show. Yeah, it, Minneapolis is a good town for for the Final Four. A lot of uh, a lot of places aren't necessarily good good host cities for the Final Four. Minneapolis is a good host city. I'm glad glad they're back in the rotation. What what makes it a good host city? Just the first of all, I think the way the town embraces the event itself. You have some cities like uh, cities I don't like to go to. For the Final Four, Houston and Dallas being two of the top of them. Phoenix, I didn't like being in Phoenix. It, it's too spread out. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the Final Four is best. The reason why the Final Four is best in New Orleans and Indianapolis and San Antonio is because everybody is kind of right in the same vicinity. So mm-hmm. you see fans from each of the four teams mm-hmm. intermingling and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And everybody's out. You walk the streets, you see everybody in their logos and gears and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And you feel part of the event. The reason why I say Houston and Dallas, which are fine cities that I do <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Throw that but, in there. Uh, you know, like it's, it's, you, you can be there and not know you're at the Final Four. You know what I'm saying? You, you're just in the city. And so Minneapolis, I felt like, is a place. It's not quite the same as as those other, the best cities in the Indy, New Orleans, San Antonio, but it it is it's close to it. It's mm-hmm. close to it where everybody's kind of in the same vicinity downtown. Um, the city itself embraced the event, and so you felt like you're at the Final Four, and that's that's what makes the event great when you feel like when you know you're a part of it. 
You know what? I could uh, totally see that for New Orleans. I could totally see that. I don't know the other towns that you mentioned, Minneapolis, San Antonio. I don't know them as well, but New Orleans, I could totally see that. The Yeah, the closeness and the city behind it. So that's interesting. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's time for the big playback. The big playback. So today, since we have, this is the time of year where kids, as Mr. Denial read the email, where where college players in basketball are deciding where they're going to declare for the draft or not. And, uh, and and it's a little different now because they made rules. You can have an agent and you could end up coming back to school. It's not clear cut right now just because somebody declares that they're done. So um, that's what will be different this year as opposed to the, the recent past. But question that I'm asking is what time is the right time for a player to turn pro? Hmm. So our, kind of the case study for this question, uh, to localize it, is Nasir Little mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he didn't have a year that just jumped out, you know, statistically mm-hmm. um, where you're like, okay, this guy is ready. He has nothing to come back to college for. Mm-hmm. And I still say he should go. I mean, Nasir Little and Kobe White for Carolina declared. So, um, but the thing that I think people need to change their way of thinking. I think people are still stuck in in the old days, where if you were turning pro, then you had a productive, you know, college career where you you probably couldn't improve anymore, and you would step into an NBA team and you could be somebody who contributed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That mode of thinking is done. That's not what happens now in the NBA. The NBA, they they draft kids on how they project, what they think they might become, not necessarily what they are now. And if you're a kid who has interest in the NBA, you're going to be a first-round pick, Um, you have that feedback already, then you should go because essentially what's going to happen is you're going to get paid – for them to develop you. So some of these kids are going to end up playing in the G League um, who declare now, and there's nothing wrong with the G League either. That's that's essentially becoming a serious minor league farm system for the NBA. That's Theo Pinson. Yes, and so, yes, so you might spend some time with the the main franchise in the NBA but get sent down to the G League. But there's nothing wrong with that because, A, you're getting paid to, to develop specifically to the NBA system. You're not going to learn college plays. You're not going to be, you know, involved in a college game, which the spacing is different. The number of minutes is different per game. Everything is different. Well, not everything, but a lot is different that doesn't translate from college straight to the pro. So in a case like Nasir Little, who is, by all accounts, going to be a first-round pick, he should go. There's no guarantee coming back is going to make him any better. Interesting. the The only thing, the only thing that I really kind of differ with there is that I do believe that I believe enough in the system, and it's it's conjecture. Sure, the college system that if a player returns, if a player returns, I think that it will benefit them because I just believe, you know, in that process of, you know, 
um, focused improvement of fundamental skills. I, I believe, personally, I think that college is a better breeding ground for that than even the G League or what have you, the reps that they would get in the G League, and, and etc. Now, I, I do believe that. It, it's still, I'm not going to lie to you, see, I mean, it still remains a kind of a, a quagmire for me. I don't, I, I'd never want to begrudge a player. We don't know what somebody's personal life is like and their family life and I would never want to begrudge them having a payday that that always you know makes me happy to see somebody get a payday so I'm, I'm good with that uh it's just you know even even the the personal side of just enjoying seeing a, a player around and enjoying the effect that they have on the team and on campus that's probably where you know where I come from and where I, I stumble a little bit and and being super fully behind players just boom out of here one and done well i think if you put it in a different context if apple was going to pay you to come in and they're like hey we know you're not ready for this right now but we're still going to give you a million dollars to come here and we're going to develop you into the programmer that we we want you to be we're going to show you how we do it and we're we're going to hope that you get up to speed to where you will embrace what we do and pick up what we do so that you will become what we think you can become. Now, if you don't become it, then <laughs> you're, you're going to have a different history. kind of road. Yeah. Not, maybe not history, but you're just going to have a different road. Texas travel. Instruments. But if you do become it, man, that second paycheck, that second contract is going to be much bigger and better, and et cetera, et cetera. And, so, and I also think, like, you could look at a player like James Michael McAdoo at Carolina who— if he would have entered out of his freshman year, if he would have entered the NBA, he probably would have been a first-round pick. He was kind of hot. <laughs> he got a strike when the iron is hot. He was kind of hot after his freshman year. And what happens is a lot of times more of your flaws are exposed by coming back. You know, he was on the team with uh, the 2012 team with Harrison Barnes, John Henson, um, Tyler Zeller, those guys. And so his role was different. Like, you, he, his flaws weren't as exposed with playing with those guys. His, his sophomore, junior years, different responsibilities for him. Pros saw what he could and couldn't do, and what he couldn't do kind of overshadowed everything else. And so he went from being a guy who would have potentially been drafted to being a guy who went undrafted and, and took a much different route. You know what I'm saying? So that cost him money, not going after his freshman year. So I, I think it's not automatic, man. Returning to school doesn't automatically mean you're going to progress and get better and be a higher draft pick. So I think people need to go when the iron is hot. I mean, you still have to, you know, obviously get some feedback from the league, which under the circumstances now there's no excuse for you not to because the rules have changed. So. Fair enough, CL. CL gets it out there where the iron is hot. Uh, and let's do this. Let's halt while the iron is hot, and we've got a, a good topical discussion that we've had. And let's go on to the next segment, which is bringing in our veteran, Referee Rich Hallstrom, for an extended Referee Rich segment, only on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill.
Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. And we are very fortunate this week to have in the house referee Rich Hallstrom. We're going to have a nice extended segment with referee Rich. Rich, how's it going up there in the Pacific Northwest? Still trying to recover from March Madness, guys, and also trying to pinch myself and see if the Seattle Mariners in Major League Baseball are for real. What are, what, now what are the Mariners? I, I saw you tweet out something about Super Smash Brothers, didn't you? Or did you like it or something like that? What's going on with the Mariners? No, 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 no. No, the Mariners have hit a home run in 14 straight games. They are 12-2 and atop of the American League West and the best record in Major League Baseball. No, it's not a mirage. You are not seeing things. Once again, the Seattle Mariners early on in the Major League Baseball season. Remember, there are 150 zillion games to go. <laughs> we are going to celebrate it as long as we can. The Mariners are leading Major League Baseball with the best record. Do you think it's going to last, Rich? Do I think it's going to last? Only if the bullpen holds up and they improve their defense from the outfield and uh, maybe a couple infield plays here and there. Okay. But ultimately, it'll come down to the bullpen and defense. Rich, are you and your lovely wife, Sheila, going to make it to, to a bunch of Mariner games, especially now that they're, they're doing something more? Not unless the Mariners pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. We'll see what, ha- we'll see what happens. But we, but we know the best thing about Major League Baseball that is, is the intermission between football season. <laughs> Rich never shy to share his opinion on that matter. Never changed, my brother. Okay, so here we go. Let's crank up the music. Referee Rich Hallstrom. Basically, Rich comes in and plays referee as we debate hot sport topics. He's free to throw a flag. He can even he can even bring in the sky judge. He can bring in the sky judge since that's no longer being used, Rich, by the AAF. I don't know yep. what that would be, but. Actually, you, you, actually, I had a conversation with the sky judge this week. He needs a little extra money on the side. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring. All right, there you go. Well, let's get it cranking, Rich. What we got? Question number one Is post March Madness pre NFL training camp a lull in the national sports calendar? CL, you go first. NFL training camp? Um. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't know we were going that far. I mean, the lull to me comes after the NBA playoffs ends, which is is late June. Uh, and then the lull is when there's no title to be determined. I mean, you can even throw in NHL playoffs for that matter. I'm not a hockey person myself, but it's going on right now, and those are games that matter. So to me, whenever games that matter are going on, I can't say that there's a lull. I'm, I'm going to be in tune. It's like a perfect cutoff for me because college basketball ends and then NBA playoffs is about to start up So on Saturday. So it's a nice continuation. It's it's just more round ball. And, uh, and then, you know, even the, the talk of the NBA draft will also 
uh, keep things interesting until, you know, maybe that last week of June or the second to last week of June. So as far as that goes, that's not a lull to me. The lull is once that ends. And as you alluded to, baseball takes over and those baseball games don't matter. You know, um, for for all you know, I mean, they matter, I guess, technically, but they don't matter. <laughs> so that's when the lull comes in, but not now. Of course, I, yeah, of course, I would oppose that opinion, saying that there is a lull because we're we're at a real lack of games that matter across the board. All these series, you know, you know, teams are winning one, and you see all the hype, winning the first one, and then they just get destroyed later in the series. I mean, I just, you know, to me, you know, the NBA playoffs. And we're talking the last couple games of the finals. That's when it matters. So it, I could maybe I could say that the lull doesn't last that long. It doesn't go all the way to NFL training camp. Maybe it's right there at the end of the NBA playoffs. And that is also around the time of the College World Series where every game counts. So I would say there you guys are counting games. You talked about counting games. I think you have counting games right there. Uh, until then, though, I, I think there is a major lull. And I also think that uh, the, the NFL draft, it's... It's fun, but my goodness, I, I believe it's over. It's overdone in coverage. Just every daggone angle possible, Rich. Actually, I gotta throw a flag on you, Chris. There's never such a thing as too much football. <laughs> and when you just said that there was too much coverage in the NFL draft, the number one sport in America, I gotta give it to CL. Oh my! Move him back to I accept the penalty. March him back. <laughs> Can we go to? Okay, well if we march him back, then we're gonna redo this pu- puppy. Can we go to the Lock sky judge? <laughs> Who's the sky judge? Let's Lock get him on the. Down. <laughs> Lots sky of down. Judge is taking a nap. The sky judge is taking a nap. Well, I'll take my ruling. well, that would be consistent with the AF season, then, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> Question number two: Are Tar Heel fans wrong to begrudge the use of the word redemption? When we look at a label for Virginia's national championship. Everybody wants to be like Mike. Come on, why why does everybody have to take what belongs or try, try to take what belongs to Chapel Hill, to Carolina? You know, first it was these, I heard a big ruckus and uproar online, uh, you know, uh, social media uh, about the, the family t-shirts. Do you know that there are t-shirts out right now in Chapel Hill, right down the street that says family and then the greater than sign brotherhood. The brotherhood shirts, that was what Duke was wearing. Is that not right? So Duke is the brotherhood, but I don't remember what their shirts said. Okay, well, they later came out with family shirts, which, you know, I mean, that might be a Nike thing. That's a Nike thing. Okay, yeah, and still, though, Carolina was rocking that for a minute. And and not only in in T-shirts, but, you know, just in theme of of the program, of the institution. And so, yeah, the other theme, you know, was a redemption. Got all the way to the national championship. uh, Lost on a heartbreaking buzzer beater, which Charles Barkley was the round mount of rebound. Looked like he was trying to rebound again on the sidelines. Jumping for joy when that happened for Villanova, and then uh, and then Carolina went back the next season and won. So, yeah, that was known widely as the redemption tour. Now, now Virginia, it you know I would say yes, they did you know kind of redeem what happened before when they lost the number one seed. Now they came back and won. But can we not call it something else? Are we not creative enough? I think Tar Heel fans need to chill. First of all. 
Well, first of all, to counter your point, <laughs> everybody wants to be like Mike. Mike didn't play on the 2016 team that lost or the 2017 team that won. So That's nobody's a thematic trying to be like, statement. Nobody's trying to be like Mike. And, and, and the family thing was totally Nike. All the Nike brand uh, uh, schools were had the warm-ups that said family, essentially. So... Carolina has Jordan brand, obviously, and so they just had a Tar Heel, the the old school Ram Ramsey's Tar Heel. But anyway, so this was more redemption for Virginia than it was for Carolina because if Carolina would play Vill- Villanova in the title game to win in 2017, then that would have been some kind of redemption because that was the team that beat them. If Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson would have been on the team that won in 2017, then that would have been more of a redemption because those were the two leading players in 2016 that graduated, so they weren't even around in 2017. So okay. it was a different makeup. This Virginia team... Did they play UMBC? This Virginia team was by by and large, the same cast of characters. In fact, DeAndre Hunter did not play True. in the, the game they lost to number 16 True. UMBC in uh, uh, last season when they lost in the first round for the first time ever. Shout out to one seed loss. So, uh, so yes, this was more redemption for for Virginia. They had to carry this all season before anything happened. When they were winning games in November, December, January, when they were winning games, when they shared the ACC regular season title with Carolina. All the questions were still, yeah, this is good and all, but what y'all going to do in March? You haven't even, you've never been to a Final Four. You've posted these number one seeds before. You know what I mean? You've, you've had all these other accolades. Who cares? What y'all going to do in March? And they said it just like that. What y'all going to do in March? <laughs> and for them to get over the hump, to get to a Final Four, to win the games the way they did late, to not lose their poise or composure and come out with three games where they were trailing like in the final 10 seconds of all three of those games uh, from uh, from Purdue that. yeah from Purdue to uh, uh, they play in the semifinals to Auburn to yeah. to winning the championship game against Texas Tech they trailed in in, <laughs> in those last 10 seconds in all three of those games so yes that is redemption and Tar Heel fans I mean Carolina Cardiac, yes. won Carolina won in 2017, so who cares if somebody else has another name, moniker, or whatever that that mimics what what people said at the time and care about Carolina? We care, man. That's what I'm gonna say to you. We care. What say you, Rich? What say I is if uh, Tar Heel fans want to begrudge, they should begrudge how they played after they beat Washington. Oh. So I'm give it to you, TL. Great point. Again. That's two. Had nothing, <laughs> had nothing but redemption on their mind because UMBC was the worst blind date in the history of college basketball, and they had to live that down every second of every day until they wanted to. All right, but, you know, the referee's not supposed to be taking shots at a fan base, so I'm going to go ahead and take that up with the league, too. That and the Sleeping Sky Judge. Well, we got for the third one, so I can go ahead and make this, like, a clean sweep. <laughs> Whatever. No, 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 no. no. Gentlemen, gentlemen, i got to get out the boxing gloves. Keep it clean. We'll go all five questions. <laughs> Question number three. Will soccer... I don't believe I'm saying this, ever be a legitimate top-tier sport in America. 
Am I going first? Yes. I'll take this first. Yeah. I say yes, it will be. And the example being the way that we rally around the U.S. team in the World Cup when they qualify. Uh, Thank you. Men, men's and women's in terms of attendance and in terms of viewership because everybody is locked in on what's going on when that happens. Now, yes, I understand that's not a yearly thing uh, where where it's it's engagement all the time, basically. But you also have to factor in the changing demographics of the United States itself and the people that are coming into the country, the people that are already here, uh, the the Latino demographic that is expanding um, love soccer. The world loves soccer. You know what I'm saying? Soccer is the number one sport. Football. Let's let's get it straight. It's football. It's the number one sport in the world. And so it's it's really just a matter of time before it also takes hold here. CL um, NASCAR racing online one for you. Uh, so the number one doesn't sp- compare. NASCAR isn't num- worldwide. Spectator. The number one spectator NASCAR sport is not worldwide. in the world is it's not NASCAR. It's the NFL. The number one spectator sport in the no, world. No, it's not. Where are you get? Let's that get from? the numbers. Let's Let, get the let's numbers. Let's get the numbers. Let's get the numbers. And look at the numbers. Let's get the numbers. the numbers back. I don't know the, what numbers. The numbers back. Out, the man. sport where where basically one sixth of the world's population tunes in that Super Bowl, the one game. It does, what's the World Cup? Who turns on for the World Cup championship I mean, more than the Super Bowl? No way. Are you okay? We got it. We have to get the numbers for the. But wait, wait, wait. Let me just make. Numbers. Let me make my argument. Though my argument is that no way will soccer ever be a top tier sport. Hello, it's not like soccer hasn't had a chance. Soccer's definitely had a chance thus far. The chance that soccer has had is goes way back to the 70s, you know, and the original soccer league, the NASL, NASL, okay, which folded. And then now you got the MLS, which is you can do an average or what have you, but they're not like going out there and killing any ratings or anything like that. The AAF, again, whooped them in ratings. I mean, comparatively. So, football. I don't know where you're getting these numbers from. The first thing I Googled, it comes up, man. The first thing I Googled, it comes up. Better than Diamond And it's rings. talking about the World Cup is better than the Super Bowl. Oh, that doesn't matter. Was that a blogger? No, this is ratings. <laughs> this is this is ratings. Can I see the ratings? Uh, but but let me finish though. Now let's talk about the infusion and the changing of the population in, in you know in America, bringing in the Latino community and that what have you. The Latino community does not come to America and necessarily want for America to change what America is doing to 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 uh, their culture. They just bring their culture with them. And if you go in homes, which I do, then what you see is that they are watching the games from their homeland, from their favorite teams. They got the satellite cranked up. That's what they're watching. They're not really so so. They're not pressing for the most part that I've seen uh, bringing soccer and making soccer so big here. They're just thinking, well, you know, soccer is what we love and, uh, you know, we'll continue to watch it. But the other thing is underrated football fans. That's why the NFL has games in Mexico City. Ciudad de Mexico. Yeah, they keep trying to force London and that's not happening. World Cup final viewers who watched at least 20 plus minutes of the game in 2010, 619 million. 2014, 695 million. I don't have the numbers from 2018. Super Bowl viewers average any minute. Watch that. Watch any minute of the game. 106 million. 2010. 
112 million 2014, 103 million 2018. It's, wait, wait, it's not wait, wait. That's, Is that domestic? It's worldwide. Six, there are 619, 619 million people in America. That is off. That's it's off. not off. The Super Bowl the, the, the does Super not Bowl. have the international viewership that the World Cup. I don't even understand. Yes, it how does. How many question? countries are at the, the Super Bowl? Uh, like, you got countries come people. 250 in, in. million households <laughs> tune in. See, uh, if there are four people, red that's a trends. billion people. I don't know where you're getting these numbers, Chris. I have to give one of you a red card. Do I have to give one of you a red card? <laughs> well, I, I don't recognize that. You have to give CL a red card. I don't, I don't know what happened to you. We're actually talking soccer for more than two minutes on this show. <laughs> the Major League, Major League Soccer, Major League Soccer has not even tipped the scale of the NHL. And I'm a soccer fan, gentlemen. The Seattle Sounders are probably one of the most successful and one of the most sought-after brands in Major League Soccer, but I will never tell you that it comes anywhere close to the Seattle Seahawks and the National Football League. I am not that irrational, so I have to give it to Chris. Well, thank you for joining us, Referee Rich. Actually, I need to reevaluate whether I'm going to thank you for for your rulings. I do thank you for you joining us, but the rulings, I don't know. I don't know about this. I gotta, I gotta go back and reevaluate, reevaluate man. We're gonna reevaluate. All right, so it, it, my my game, my approach to this. But thank you, sir, and uh, we're gonna get out of here. So, referee Rich Hallstrom has been with us. This has been the segment. Next time we're coming back, there's gonna be a different result. I'm gonna call that right now. But stay tuned here on Sibling Rivalry Sports, the the place for peace. 97.9 The Hill. Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. It's time for football. Let's talk a little bit of football. You know, I always have to just beg CL to give us a football. <laughs> I don't have to beg him, but I just, you know, that's why it's. I have to say CL likes to go wide range with his topics, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty basic football. But, CL, we do have something pretty interesting going on with Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster. Pretty petty, if you want to say that. True. Um, I mean, I think since since Antonio Brown left the Steelers for the Raiders, that should be it. You should be with your new team, big up Derek Carr, whatever. Like, there, there shouldn't even be anything else come out of his mouth regarding Pittsburgh Steelers or his time there. That should be it, right? Mm-hmm. But no. <laughs> so... I guess a fan tweeted at at Antonio Brown first, and then his response. Actually, I don't I don't even know who did what first, to be honest. Because um, I I think Juju sent Antonio Brown a, a message when he was still at USC playing, and basically asking for guidance, asking for tips or what have you. And so Antonio Brown took that private message public and put it out there. As if to somehow say, you know, oh, he's been sweating me since he was in college. Or, or you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make Juju look bad at all. It makes mm-hmm. him look like a college kid going to a pro for advice. And very respectful. 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I I'm done with Antonio Brown. Like, oh. I, I've I've been done with him, but it just like I didn't lose any respect for him. But it's just like, okay, he's gone. That's cool. Whatever. Let him do what he does in Oakland. But now, like, I'm losing respect for him just as as a, a person, as a player. Like, all of this is unnecessary. This it's it's petty what he's doing. Interesting. CL, so we're going to have to get you a new jersey, first of all. <laughs> no, you know what? I, when I got that jersey, my thought was, because my name is Brown, this is the last jersey I'll ever get, because my name ain't changing. So this ain't representing—it's it's always been representing me. It hasn't been representing Antonio. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, let me ask you this, CL. Who is—who do you feel like— uh, is better, or I would say, for Pittsburgh style of football, for Pittsburgh football, who who's better? Well, I mean, I'm not taking away Antonio Brown is better. Antonio <laughs> Brown is is to me, he's the best receiver in the league. Can't argue that. You know, I mean, Julio Jones when when Julio Jones when uh, well, I'm not gonna say when that quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, what you said. But I mean, he's up there. So to me, talent is talent. I'm not. I'm not taking away his talent. But all of this extra stuff. I, I just my what I don't understand in Pittsburgh is how it got to this level. Because if something was bubbling, it should have been handled before he ever got to a point where it got this out of control. Like I, I just, you know, the Facebook live and. Uh, in the playoffs, the year like it's it's just too much stuff, man. It's just too much stuff. So, um, and and I'm leaving out the part, you know, the tweet he had, where uh, he tweeted at a fan who, um, who put out a picture of of Juju Smith Schuster with you know Pittsburgh still his most valuable player, which he was voted by the team, and so Antonio Brown responded to that with a tweet that said emotion. Boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everybody went blind to busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. So, it, I mean, <laughs> all of that. First of all, he didn't fumble the postseason away because the game that this is in reference to is New Orleans. Um Pittsburgh still had a chance to make the playoffs after that. The, mm-hmm. the difference was, had they beat New Orleans, all they would have had to do was beat Cincinnati in the final game, and they were in. Mm-hmm. By losing against the Saints, they had to beat Cincinnati, and Baltimore mm-hmm. had to lose for Pittsburgh to get in. Mm-hmm. But that's still a chance to get in. Yeah. You still can't mm-hmm. just discount the final game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this this is just petty. That's that's all I can say. That's a tall order, too. It's not like that's not a tall order. It's not all on Juju to, for Pittsburgh to go into New Orleans and come out with a win and with a playoff atmosphere and environment. That's that's a tall order, so you can't put that all on him. Yeah, yeah, that was an unfortunate uh, mishap, but without the multiple plays he made throughout the season, and we can say the Steelers wouldn't be where they were. So I agree with you. I think that's uh, some interesting silliness. All of a sudden, though, A.B. is an 
anti-hero. All of a sudden, he is very much, you know, oppositional towards a lot of different things, you know. Um, so, you know, it's Juju, an interesting point, See, It was Juju Schuster-Smith who was in that uh, NFL 100 commercial and not not A.B. That was very interesting. Juju was the one on the table tiptoeing at that. That was an interesting choice. I'm just saying. You remember way too much from that commercial. Hey, listen, Peter Berg, <laughs> the guy who directed that, he's also the guy who directed Ballers. He's a Steelers fan. So I just think that says something. You had the, you know, you had the still curtain guys there. You had Franco Harris. You had Bradshaw, and then you had Juju. And I just thought that was very, very interesting. Hey, can I squeeze in one more football fact and idea and happenstance, CL? And that is the Alliance of American Football. What has popped up on the horizon now are two class action lawsuits against the league. And the one that is more notable is a class action lawsuit being brought by two players, two former AF players against the league, specifically naming Tom Dundon, also Charlie Ebersol, we got to say, he's also named in this. But uh, yeah, they're, they're saying that they were, you know, hand, it was handled, um, it wasn't handled rightfully, and they were terminated in an unrightful manner, and there uh, promises made to them and, and contracts that were broken. I hope they win, CL. That's all I want to say. I hope they win. I hope they get airfare home times 100. I'm going to be looking at this, CL. Well, I mean, if the promises weren't contractual, then <laughs> I, I hope what they're suing is based on some ink that was written on a paper and signed. Because otherwise, I mean, hurt feelings aren't going to get it done. Right. All right. Well, that doesn't hurt my feelings to say that it's what well, it does hurt my feelings to say that we're done with the segment for football. But we got to move on. And sum up the season, the college basketball season, right after we hear from our sponsors. Check them out, then come and return to us, folks. Sibling Rivalry Sports, 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports. CL, you just returned. It's that time of year, CL, when you are able to just catch your breath a little bit from another whirlwind and, might I say, incredible ending to the NCAA men's basketball season. What what do you have to sum it up? Wow, man. Well, uh, Virginia winning the title, I feel like, does a number of things uh, for their program. First and foremost, I think it cements Tony Bennett's place in in terms of great coaches in college basketball right now, um, you could say he's next. Like I, I, my my good friend uh, Vashti Hurt that runs Carolina Blitz um, at Keep Blitzing on Twitter, she posed a question which I didn't I didn't disagree with her publicly on Twitter. I probably would argue when next time I see her, but. She she said that uh, she didn't think Bennett was in uh, the same. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. She didn't think Bennett was in the same uh, stratosphere as Roy Williams and Mike Sosesky, to which I disagree with because he's won a title in 13 years as a. This is his 13th year as a head coach, which is faster than Roy, which was 17 years. Uh, coach K was 16 years. 
um, a number of, of great coaches that are still going at it. It took them longer to win their first national title. And if you look at what he's done in the ACC over the past six years, it's been pretty uh, pretty remarkable for Virginia. So um, he's here to stay, you know what I'm okay. saying? And winning the title is only going to make things clear up, some things for him recruiting-wise and everything like that that's going to make Virginia better moving forward. So um, get used to it, people. <laughs> sure. CL, let me ask you something. How long have you been a sports supporter, CL? 20, what, 25 years, man. That's incredible. I mean, you know what? I, I, I don't think I've done anything for 16 years. I mean, just thinking how long that was, even 13 years, that is some dedication and consistency to be at it for that long and then to get that reward, you know, that far in. I'll say this. I will admit to you, CL, it scares me more than anything because I, li- I really like Bennett so much. So it, it just scares me, though. I'm not ready. CL, <laughs> this morning I was driving in the neighborhood, saw somebody out of the blue all of a sudden had a Virginia flag on their house. I was like, where did that come from? I've never seen that. What? That's funny. So I, I'm not ready for, for the tobacco road echelon to be invaded by our neighbors to the north, but I'm not I can't argue that Bennett is not in a perfect position to, to bring the troops and bring the force. Yeah, I still think that it, he, they play a particular style. Everybody doesn't like to, to watch it. everybody doesn't you know I don't think the bandwagon will be full <laughs> for Virginia because of this, but I do think Tony Bennett is, is on his way. Uh, well, he's been on his way, but this just kind of solidifies things because now he has that ring that will end arguments, and now people can't bring up UMBC. Well, they can still bring it up, but it won't matter because they got a title. So, yes. Um, but a uh, little bit of a transition. Last week we posed it in the brownout. This week it's official. Jerry Stackhouse is uh, the Jerry Stackhouse era era of Vanderbilt basketball begins. Uh-huh. So um, I think it's a, a good hire. For Vanderbilt, it's a bit unconventional, but their AD now, who is also a former Tar Heel, um, uh, well, a, a Carolina alum, uh, Malcolm Turner, mm-hmm. he uh, he made the call. He's also a bit, uh, he was a bit of a wild card in terms of an athletic director because he doesn't have a college background. So um, I think they're both betting on themselves. They're not looking at the history of of. Vanderbilt basketball and how difficult things have been at times uh, there. They're just looking at, you know, we have a plan to get things done. Let's go do it. So, CL, I'm going to be a Commodore fan just like I was a Commodore 64 fan coming up. So, <laughs> okay, I'm going to check them out. Hey, let me just squeeze one thing in here, CL. Let me ask you, are you willing to give me a little credit <laughs> that I said Virginia was a sleeper at the beginning, which you no. disagree with, no. but see how they won it all. And what, uh, what I said was <laughs> people weren't expecting them to win it like that. And, and you know, in my bracket, I called them to win it. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm sorry. Once Carolina was out, I said they were going to win. That's, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't get it. They're a number one seat. If you're a number one seat, you can't be considered a sleeper in any way, shape, or form. You hey. could be the most hated number one seed, you know, the most uh, the most hated on number yeah. one seed, but you're number one seed, so. All right. It was worth a shot. Yeah. CL, good to have you back, as always. Good to have you back in town, and congrats to another successful run in March Madness of coverage. Excellent work, sir. Folks, uh, thank you for tuning in. We're going to continue our attempts at excellent work, so come on back next week. 
to the show. My name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling Sibling Rivalry Rivalry Sports Sports on 97.9 The Hill.